from KQED. This is Cued Up, Storytelling with Heart. I'm John Sepulveda. We're starting off a new series this week, and it's going to be different from what you've heard before. There's a tragic murder, a trial, a man who says he's innocent, witnesses who may have been coached. It could be a mistrial of justice, or it could be a guilty man who was caught. And over the next few weeks, we're going to lay out the evidence on both sides. But this isn't just another true crime story. Because really, it's a story about the criminal justice system in California and how it had to change for one man to finally win his freedom. There are so many twists in this story, things that are the opposite of what you'd expect, that you might be surprised at what you believe by the end. Here's KQED reporter Alex Emsley with the first chapter in The Trials of Marvin Mudge. On a quiet, tree-lined road stands the California Medical Facility. It's an unassumingly named prison in Vacaville with about 2,500 inmates, the medical hub for the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. Outside the gates, it's just another Wednesday. But for one man, something remarkable is about to happen. This morning, I woke up about 4 o'clock shaved. Uh, We got our dress outs on, got our fingerprints done, put my boxes on a cart and stuck it by the dorm door. And uh, the first watch officer said, well, you need to be in your bed area. It's first watch. I said, yeah, I know, but I'm leaving. So today, after 41 years, Marvin Much is leaving prison. I'm still not believing it. When I drive him out through the gate, then I'm gonna believe it. Then it's then it's really, really real. Marvin's friend Deborah Sheldon is there to pick him up. She drives him out the gate, then pulls over just outside the prison so Marvin can enjoy the new uh, view. I'm just it's just now uh, it's just not being real to me, so for the first time since uh, he was a teenager, fifty-nine-year-old Marvin is standing outside of prison, a free man. I, I am enjoying this freedom. It's, I saw this coming in. An average middle-aged white guy, he's just under six feet tall, a little heavier in the middle. He's mostly bald, some strands of gray hair hang around the back of his head. Marvin's face lights up around his eyes when he's happy, or excited. People who know him call it a spark, some piece of youthful energy that stayed with Marvin through all that time inside. Right now, standing in the wind outside the walls of prison, he's simply beaming. Warden was six years old when I came to prison. And he came out, shook my hand, and said, I, I really mean this. I'm glad you're leaving. <laughs> when the smile goes away, he gets this worried kind of frown. Anxious. Uncomfortable. For four decades, all these little decisions have been made for him. When to sleep. When to eat. What to eat. Now, he's faced with freedom. This is The Trials of Marvin Much. The question I have is, could he not be guilty? Is it possible that he's not guilty? That this is a mistake? I believe he was guilty. And I, there's no doubt in my mind. A 13-year-old had been killed. There were sexual overtones. I felt very strongly he couldn't have done it. And then later on, I would go, but he could have. He could lie and have done it. I have never seen a case go down where there was so little evidence against the perpetrator. I concluded that our officer could stand behind the conviction of Mr. Mudge. Just the story, someone serving 40 years 
for a crime they didn't commit going to prison at 19. This isn't just a story about guilt or innocence. And this isn't just a story about reentry after decades in prison. It's also a story about the massive growth of incarceration in America and how it impacted Marvin at every turn. It's a story about the paradoxes of prison, where admitting guilt can get you out quicker than proclaiming innocence, where the star witness against you believes you didn't do it, where leaving prison after four decades of trying to prove your innocence leaves you feeling guilty. That's how Marvin feels, because he's getting out, and some of his friends aren't. My overwhelming emotion right now is I feel really guilty. I got a lot of friends in here. You got a lot of friends out here too. I understand. I just don't, I don't, um, if I could wrap my mind around some logic about why some people are allowed to go and some people aren't, uh, why it's not okay to go for this 40 years and all of a sudden it's okay. Chapter one, guilt. Marvin's first stop, breakfast. Deborah takes him to meet some friends, Lyle and Henry. Henry, you're awesome. A couple of other former lifer inmates waiting at a nearby Black Bear diner. Hey, buddy. How's it feel? It's okay now. Looking good. Yeah. These men's prison sentences were up to life. And because of California's tough-on-crime climate over the past several decades, they were convinced they'd never get out. But recent efforts to reduce the state prison population mean lifers suddenly have a chance at parole. This is almost like I'm getting out of prison again when I, when I see you sitting there. Right? They've formed a community, a web of connections that carries word around when another friend who shared a past lifetime in prison is being released. Prayer medium, Marvin. Your stake. I don't know. Deborah knows Marvin in another way. She was in charge of educational programs at San Quentin. Yeah. Now, She's helping him remember how to do the simplest things. Biscuit, toast, or English muffin? Toast. How many eggs are there? This is unreal. In prison, they cook eggs. They break. They break the yolks. So. They break them and they make this hard rubber disc that, that's your egg. That's something Marvin's been craving. Runny egg yolk. The kind he can sop up with steak and toast. Well, I like this kind of toast. I told you. I like medium steaks and sour sourdough toast. Realizing he's free doesn't happen all at once. It creeps into these quiet moments over and over again throughout the day. I can't believe I'm out. I thought I was going to die in prison. But Marvin didn't die in prison. Whether or not he deserved to be in prison at all, that depends on what you believe about a lot of conflicting evidence. In that way, Marvin's story is like a trial, really a series of trials, and you'll be the judge. Like many trials, this one begins with a murder in a Bay Area suburb in 1974. In 1974, the gasoline crisis hit America head-on. Good evening. President Nixon reportedly will announce his resignation tonight. And Vice President... I have Ford never been 
a quitter. I shall resign the presidency effective at noon tomorrow. You get tough. You get tender. You get close to each other. Maybe you even get close to the truth. Forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown. Chinatown. It was a horrible crime. It's, a 13-year-old had been killed. There were sexual overtones about how the body was displayed. That's attorney James McWilliams, who knows this murder. He's been to the scene of the crime. It's in a subdivided neighborhood of Union City. There's a park framed on one side by a little overgrown creek. What happened down in that place at any particular time would not be known by neighbors and other people it's because it's sort of a hidden place, concealed by the uh, growths and uh, shrubbery and other things. 13-year-old Cassie Riley used to hang out in the park after school. On the evening of September 24th, Cassie went to a nearby gas station to buy a snack and disappeared. Her father was working near Lake Tahoe. He's deceased, but Cassie's cousin, Deborah Morgan, remembers what happened. I know he was out of town when this happened and he drove back all night to get there. It wasn't like his daughter to stay out late. Cassie's dad gets home around 2 a.m. She's still missing. He waits until morning. And nobody could find her and he was the one that went and looked for her. He searches the park and ends up just above that little creek. When he looks down, he sees something on the bank. He knew as soon as he saw the body that it was hers. It would have been right around here somewhere. Her father climbed up around on the other side, and then they looked back over here, and her body was on this side of the creek, on the edge of the bank with her head down toward the water. Pretty still and pretty shallow. It's kind of creepy back here. Her body was mostly naked. Her purple sweater pulled up around her neck. Her pants were pulled down. Her head's lying downhill near the creek water. Cassie's father called out her name. There's no response. There was a certain compelling sadness about what had happened to this 13-year-old. It was as if the body was displayed. Later, the coroner would find that her clothes were removed after she was drowned. Was it to depict some kind of brutal sexual assault or something else? It didn't really make sense, and the coroner found no signs of rape. But a 13-year-old girl had been murdered. Next time on The Trials of Marvin Much. He had been seen in this park. He didn't deny that he went there. It was a hangout for young people. So you saw me at the park. This is your evidence. You saw me at the park. It had a description of Marvin and his car, and it was saying that he was a possible witness. It was like, oh my god, Marvin knows something and doesn't even know he knows it. So I called the police. The police system is geared toward, let's solve this thing and get it done, rather than let's make sure we've gone down every avenue and found the correct person. As shitty as my childhood was, that phone call essentially 
put an end to whatever family I had. Did you kill Cassie Riley? I did not kill Cassie Riley. The Trials of Marvin Much was reported by Alex Emsley and Adam Grossberg. They also produced an incredible documentary film about Marvin's life. It's really good, guys. You should go see it. And you can do that at thetrialsofmarvinmuch.org. The Trials of Marvin Much is edited by Sonia Dirk. Senior editors are Julia McAvoy and David Weir. Senior producers of Cued Up, Holly Kernan and Ethan Lindsay. I'm John Sepulveda. And you can listen and subscribe to Cued Up wherever you get your podcasts.